20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, Packer fans? Happy non-victory Monday. Welcome into the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You know these two amazing people. You can find her on Twitter at Terry <laughs> underscore Goldstein, and you can find him at Alex underscore Strofe. Whoa. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. What do you guys got for me? Excite me. Give me something good. I don't know what we want to start with even. Well, I know what we're going to start with. Packers lose 34 to, what, 20? Yep. It's a nightmare game, specifically yep. from the defense. But, Perry, let's start with you. How are you feeling? No. No, I don't know. I'm done. Like, if you listen to Pax, what she said, which is my other show with Maggie Loney, like, you know how I feel about this defense. You know how I feel about this defensive coordinator. I just, I, I feel like I have said the same thing about this defense over and over again for years. Like, this is not, like, there is nothing new here anymore. It's just, it's so... It's just so painful. It's it's like it is the definition of insanity. It's the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And I don't you don't learn your lesson week in and week out and you lose games because of it. And it's just infuriating to watch and it must be infuriating to play. And I don't know how as a head coach, you're also not infuriated by it because your offense is, you know, starting to get there and it's doing, you know, we'll get there. We'll talk about the offense, but it's the offense is starting to like get to a place where it's doing what it needs to do to win games. Uh, and your defense is like wholeheartedly letting your team down. And I'm just, I'm so sick of it. Like Aaron Rodgers left. <laughs> we don't need to do this anymore. Alex, what do you got for me? Yeah, dude, it is. Uh, she she nailed it. It's it's the definition of insanity, right? I mean, you 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 make no adjustments defensively after halftime. You're rushing for consistently for the second week in a row against the. T- I mean, you you got the quarterback at least this week, but but still, it's just uh, it was really messy. Uh, Chris Godwin literally looked like he was on Lambeau Field on a Tuesday because there was nobody around him at all. Um, he he went absolutely bananas. He had a terrific game for Tampa. Uh, 158.3 is the number. Perfect quarterback rating for Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, right? We're not talking Patrick Mahomes, who they beat a couple weeks ago. We're talking about Baker Mayfield. Uh, First time an opposing quarterback has come into Lambeau Field and thrown for a perfect passer rating. That's pretty ridiculous. Uh, Look, I I, I called Tampa before the game during our pregame coverage on ESPN Wisconsin. uh, Sneaky okay. They looked sneaky Super Bowl champs good today against Joe Barry's defense, right? I mean, they could do no wrong. Uh, Baker Mayfield looked like he should win the MVP. I mean, it was, it was absolutely outrageous. And this, this is the second week in a row the Packers have made a uh, mediocre to below average quarterback look above average really good. Um, if And you can, you can harp on the fact that there was no Jair, there's no Darnell Savage. You can do that all you want. I'm not. I'm not hearing it. Right. I'm not listening to that. You, you can. You can go ahead and blame player execution. I think you have a fair case to make. But this is the perfect example of why Joe Barry can no longer be the defensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers. 
all three of us knew that a long time ago, but this is this is the statement game. Um, even if the Packers went out and still make the playoffs, I just don't see how after today, and I don't even think this is overreaction at all at this point, how he can be the defensive coordinator in 2024. Um, I vote go ahead and do it. I mean, I don't have a valid replacement, but I, my buddy Josiah sells beer in Section 106. I think he could do as good of a job as Joe Barry did today. So defense was bad. Uh, the positives are all on the offensive side of the ball, and I know we'll get to them, but, but Jordan Love had a really nice day, which was good to see. We know he's the guy, I think, at this point. So that, that's uh, – I mean, that was, the, that was the number one thing the season was about. So that was an encouraging sign. Um, Dontavian Wicks, Jaden Reed, Tucker Craft, all, all really solid games for them. Uh, I feel bad for Tucker Craft, though, on the hurdle. Took, took a shot to the gonads. That didn't look like it, like it felt very good. But other than that, uh, I was impressed by those four guys offensively, but everything else sucked. Let's go over the defense, obviously, in greater detail because there's no sugarcoating anything else. That's what is the key takeaway from this game. There's some other positive stuff towards the end in the middle that we'll get to, but this wasn't about uh, an atrocious performance by the defense. And as has been the case in sort of the Joe Barry era, it's not only just that they got beat. In this game, it was a lot worse than what we've seen in some other circumstances, but it also is how they got beat. And just guys open all over the field on key situations, on like to the point, to the laughable point, where it would be third and three and you'd like be like, this will be an obvious clear open wide receiver on third down. And then they'll rally and tackle him. He'll get five yards and they'll pick up a first down. And it happened every single time. They knew that Joe Barry was going to play his version of zone defense throughout the entirety of the game. The Buccaneers offense was three steps ahead of it. They ran zone beater after zone beater after zone beater all game long. And Green Bay had no response to it whatsoever. And to be fair, in the handful of snaps that they went, man, they got beat on that too, including a big pass interference later in the game when they brought some pressure and played man on that specific play. But they got beat with their zone defense, the the style that Joe Barry's wanted to play since he's gotten here. They just got murdered with it all day long. You mentioned Baker Mayfield, 22 of 28, 381 yards, 13.6 yard average, Four touchdowns, no picks, 158.3 passer rating. As you mentioned, the first time an opposing quarterback's ever come into Lambeau Field, attempted more than five snaps, and had a perfect quarterback rating. Against zone defense, per next-gen stats, Baker Mayfield completed 20 of 24 passes for 361 yards and three touchdowns when they were in zone defense. Per PFF, Devondre Campbell in coverage in this game allowed 135 yards. How many times did we see Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker matched up with a wide receiver in their vicinity of the field? And Matt LaFleur said, well, this is going to happen from time to time. It can happen once, maybe, uh, twice, maybe. It can't Not happen. 135 yards. 135 yards from just Devondre Campbell. That doesn't even wow. include Quay Walker. Chris Godwin, 10 catches, 155 yards, 452 total yards of offense, 7.5 yards per play, 7 for 11 on third downs, only one punt. And, of course, they did get the one turnover. Kudos, tip of the hat to Kingsley oh, and Aguirre. Oh, Andy, 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 Andy. Th- they stats. only punted once? These are only punted once. Which, by the way, was about the most nuclear awesome punt I've ever seen They're in my really entire freaking life. That, that was, was the really highlight good. of the game. But outside of that, yes, they only one punt, one turnover. End of end of game, they slid down to run out the clock, otherwise would have scored on I, that as well. 
Look, these are good stats, Andy, but I don't think we need to further contextualize how much of an ass kicking this was, right? Like our eyes showed it to us. This was everything bad. Um, it, It was very reminiscent of week four against the Lions, same score, ironically, where it was just kind of a boat race. Like the Packers were in this one, at least. Uh, at halftime, but defensively, it was it was a complete s show. I, I I don't believe we're allowed to swear on this podcast. I mean, look, these stats are good. They're they're interesting. They're intriguing. But wow, it was just an ass kicking. There's so much to comment on. Like from top to bottom, this defense is so bad. And I know we harp on Joe Barry because schematically it's atrocious, but it's also goes back to the fact that like execution wise, it's also bad, right? Mm-hmm. Like players that <sighs> I can't even get the words out because the front plays well, but also when the front doesn't get home, everything falls apart. So like you cannot, operate a defense where your front has to get a sack. Like that's just not the way a defense works. You can't call a defense where your linebackers are like lining up against like top wide receivers. And like, why is Devondre Campbell covering Mike Evans? Why is Preston Smith still dropping into coverage? Why can't any of your DBs make a play on the ball? Because you're calling too soft of coverage. Like I, and anytime this team does do anything good, it's on the wrong down. So you get like this big sack on second down, but it doesn't matter because they can convert a third and 19 like it's nothing. It's just, it's so, it's the most infuriating thing to watch. And it's funny because Andy, you mentioned the brand of defense, but they got a, how many explosive plays in this oh, game? Yeah. Right. So your brand of defense is limiting the explosive play. You're not even playing your brand of defense anymore. What defense are you playing? Baker Mayfield threw for what? Four touchdowns in this game. This isn't this is not defense. You just let them walk up and down the field. Yeah. (laughs) Seven of 11 on third down were the Bucks. One of one on fourth down. That means you got two stops. I, I, I can't watch it anymore. And I think that if you, if anything, like allowing Baker Mayfield to have a perfect passer rating in your own home, like that's a fireable offense. And I don't care that we don't have a replacement. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Like make a statement that there is a limit. There is a bar for what is acceptable at 1265. And this is not it. So I know, Alex, you didn't want any more context, but I've got more context for you. <laughs> and this is bar- largely because yeah, you guys brought up the fact that even when they did get big plays, it didn't matter, right? They just gave up big plays right after it. They had a fir- the, the Buccaneers faced a first and 15, a second and 29, a third and 12, and a second and 18 in this game. On those plays, first and 15 was a nine-yard gain. Second and 29 was a 24-yard gain, which led to a field goal. Third and 12 was a 15-yard gain. Second and 18 was a 21-yard gain. Those were all in the very next play following those plays. If not picking up the first down, either getting back into scoring range or getting them into a manageable down and distance after that. I've got more for you, though. Still not done. Here was the Bucks' offense on the day. Field goal, fumble, touchdown, punt, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. 
That was the end of the game, end of the game where they could have scored if he just didn't right. slide down. If they wanted to score on that drive, they easily could have scored. But field goal, fumble, touchdown, punt, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Yeah. Four I, straight I, scoring drives to end the game. Yeah, I, I think I think I cut out when I said this before, but uh, the Bucks were seven of eleven on third down, one for one on fourth down, which means you stopped them twice in the money downs. You stopped them twice on eleven attempts, twice. On third and fourth down, that's that's legitimately inexcusable. So, so Perry, your feelings about this are completely right. But the one thing we've learned uh, about Matt Lafleur is he's loyal to a fault, and it is very frustrating. I don't know. He sounded real not loyal in his post game press conference today, like real not loyal. So I don't know. We're gonna see what happens, but it's they lost this game. Because of the defense. Yeah, no, they definitely did. And I think obviously that. So a couple other things I wanted to mention, then I want to go and talk about Joe Barry and just about this defense in general, you know, to your big point, Perry, this was a defense that was predicated on, all right, you're going to run the ball and sometimes clearly too often and, and too much than it should have too many 200 yard performances, obviously throughout the course of the year, we're going to give up some yardage. We're going to give up some first downs, but we're not going to allow a ton of points. We're not going to allow a ton of explosives. Well, guess what? You allowed a ton of points. You allowed a ton of explosives. You allowed a passing offense that you couldn't stop all throughout the game. To your point before, it was, it's was it been sack or bust for this team. And they have to get pressure. They have to get sacks or they cannot stop the opposing offense. There were miscommunications all over the field. They like you. These guys could not get lined up. They were not like they did not have the answers to the test. Like I said, Tampa Bay was out coaching them and were just two or three steps ahead. They knew what Green Bay was going to do in every single situation. They used their tendencies against them. And it was just, like I said, zone beater after zone beater. And they were they knew exactly where the gaps and the holes were going to be, which were plentiful. It's not like they were hard to find. It's funny because I want to go back to the Mike Evans touchdown for a moment where they're like, well, you know, Rudy Ford was trying to disguise. Rudy Ford is caught in no man's land because there's two guys wide open. If Rudy Ford goes with Mike Evans, the guy on the opposite side is wide the hell open. In fact, Rudy Ford gets caught in no man's land because he's in the middle of both of them and he's not going to get to either. Baker could Baker had two wide open touchdown passes that he could have thrown on that play. So say whatever you want about Rudy Ford. If he goes with the one, the other's wide open too. It didn't even freaking matter. And that's what we saw far often than not, far more often than not, is the fact that even when like it wasn't just like there was one guy open on plays, there were like multiple players open and as you mentioned before, Alex, and I know, you know, everyone, th- th- to me, this is all sides of it. It is scheme. It is coaching. It is preparedness. It is l- talent level on defense. Mm-hmm. I can promise you right now, a, a you know, a good defensive coordinator who comes in and takes over, even if they find a really good defensive coordinator, this defense is still going to have a plentiful amount of deficiencies with where they're at right now, especially on the secondary, because we, we can all like point to like all these players individually that we're frustrated with. Are you worried about throwing at Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, Keyshawn Nixon, Corey Ballantyne, Carrington Valentine, Rudy Ford, Jonathan Owens, Anthony Johnson, Jr. Darnell Savage, Eric Stokes, even no, you're not afraid to throw at any single one of those players at any time in any moment. 
So like it legitimately, like you, you are well, and, Eric Stokes in there is a little mean. He just got back. Okay. But, but to be fair, like you're not afraid to throw at him right now, especially no, he's just you're coming not. <laughs> he's just coming back and he can't, you know, like he didn't, I don't even think he finished the game understandably in this one. Cause he's just coming back and it's great to see him out there. And yeah, we don't need to even necessarily throw him in that group. Maybe he's a shutdown corner the rest of his career. That's fine. Great. But as of right now, there's nobody that you're afraid to throw at in the second level of that defense, which is why it is pressure and sack or bust because those guys just can't hold up, whether it's in man, whether it's in zone, cover three, cover two, cover four, whatever you want to call, it's all not good enough. So just to like wrap it up in a nice, shiny, tidy bow, it's coaching and, and making sure that they understand where they're supposed to be. And when I say coaching, I'm not talking about Joe Barry. I'm talking about defensive backs coaches, linebackers coaches, those guys working together to make sure that the communications are tight, that they're all prepared for all of these scenarios. That's not good enough. The play on the field when there are plays to be made and we you can just go out and execute and make the play, far not good. Far, it's just not remotely good enough. The talent's not good enough, but the scheme is the the scheme the hard the hardest part about it and I tweeted this out during the game is that it sucks the life out of you while you're watching it. Anytime green Bay's offense does something good, or even anytime, like you said, that they get in a second and 25, it doesn't even matter because you know, what's coming next. And it is living a half-life that even if you get to the end of the game and you've allowed only 23 points, it was the most painful, excruciating 23 points of your entire existence. And you still hated every second of it. I guarantee you hated playing in it. You hated watching it. You hated coaching it. It was just, And that one number that Joe Barry had, the one number that Joe Barry had was points, right? The ninth in point differential. Everything else, we knew it didn't pass the eye test. We knew it was like, this is living a half-life. It's not good enough. That's time of possession all goes into this. The players that they played all goes into this. But it was still like, they still got the ninth best scoring defense that has to come for something. They're now 17th after this game. And that was, by the way, the one stat. That was the only stat that you could point to with Joe Barry. The DVOA was 28th going or 30th, some 20, 30th, something doesn't matter. It was awful going into this game. They had nothing else. That was the only thing. And now they don't have that either. Well, we knew it would like regress to the mean at some point, like the eye test, like it was going to get the stats. were going to catch up to him. Eventually it could not look that bad and end up still being some kind of top 10 of yep. points at some point. Yeah. I mean, to your point though, Andy, like, I would love to see someone come in and look at this group of talent and say, like, I can do something different with them because I do. I do think that there are like, yes, we knew going into the season, the safety group, a problem. We knew going into this season slot corner probably needs an upgrade. Right. And we definitely agree going into this offseason. Love Keyshawn should stay on special teams. Like, I still think that Quay is going to be in great linebacker we need an upgrade next to him but the rest of it like i i think there's a lot of talent there in the db room it's just i just don't think it's being used properly and i just would really love to see someone come in and say like i want to do this differently it's been the same defensive coordinator since dom keepers they've just rinsed and repeated the same scheme dom and mike Patton and joe barry have done the same stuff over and over again and so again you're that's the disconnect for me between who they're drafting talent wise in the front office and who they have in, in that room. And I agree with you, like sweep it through, get rid of all the position coaches, like bring in a whole new staff on that side of the ball, do whatever you need to do because there's talent there. It's just not being used properly. 
Perry, you nailed it. I, I, I want to run this past you guys because I heard Mark Tauscher say this on our, on our post-game show, and I don't want to steal it from him. But you look west, right? You look at Minnesota. They had a really bad defense last year. They bring in a guy like Brian Flores. He changes everything. They're going to be a top-five defense this year in Minnesota despite the bad record. So a, a good coordinator can change things. And I loved your line on it's been the same coordinator the last three coordinators because it has been. It, it, this is rinse and repeat. It's hell every year from a defensive standpoint. Uh, if if the, if it's not the run, it's the pass like it was today against Baker freaking Mayfield. So do we believe if, if the Packers, and as they should, make a coordinator change, can can they hit a home run and completely uh, get this first level, first round level talent, which they've invested a ton in under Goody, to the next level with a, with a new coordinator in year one, like Minnesota has this year? But it's not just a new coordinator. I'm talking like new, new scheme. New, new scheme. scheme. Like right. Someone who is not going to just come in and run the same stuff that we've seen from the last three coordinators. Because you make a great point about Minnesota. And it took a minute, right? Like, they didn't look good for the first quarter of the season. And everyone was like, oh, maybe they didn't. Brian Floor, oh, we don't know. And now it, it took a second because he brought in an entirely new scheme, new culture to that side of the ball. And it takes a second. That's my two cents about it. Andy? Hey, friends. I'm sure you're all familiar with some of the hassles of finding game tickets at a reasonable price without all the headaches that go along with it. I've been on a bit of a roll lately as I went through one ticketing service that never sent me the tickets and I had to panically try to get a hold of somebody the day of the game. I had another service that didn't allow me to transfer tickets. So when I could no longer go to the Wisconsin-Iowa game, transferring the tickets was extremely difficult. It was just all so frustrating. That was until I found GameTime. GameTime is so easy to use with a low price guarantee, event cancellation protection, easy to find tickets, and an even easier to use app. GameTime is the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through emails and have those same panicky moments that I did the day of a game. So next time you're buying tickets, make sure you snag them using GameTime, stress-free. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Oh, and GameTime is also a great way to buy tickets for a holiday gift. Just make sure to use code PACKADAY. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest prices. Guaranteed. Hey there. I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet? Do you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. I've had so much fun making Prize Picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. I even had a fun J.K. Scott selection the other day for the Chargers game. I recently had a big win on Saturday morning in a London game, and it just made the viewing experience so much more enjoyable. It's fun, it's exciting, it's easy, and there's a level of creativity and uniqueness about it that I really, really enjoy. So go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. 
No, I think we all recognize that a change has to be made. The, the remaining question is when does that change get made? Um, Matt, Matt had the opportunity to just say, no, I'm not making a change at defensive coordinator. He did not say that. He avoided the question and he said he has to go back and watch the tape. But he could have simply said, Joe's my defensive coordinator for the rest of the season. We're not making a change at defensive coordinator. He didn't say any of that. I would be surprised still if Joe is out at at any time this week. Like I don't think they're going to – like there's three games left. However, I think what makes this a little bit more intriguing is that there's three games left and the playoffs are still available to that. I know nobody wants to hear that right now. I know nobody – but like I'm not saying it in the fact of like, look, we still are – like there's still playoffs. I'm saying it from an internal standpoint of like they still have something to play for. And mm-hmm. and what I mean is is like – if you feel like a change needs to get made to spark that defense and to maybe get you those three wins, then I think you have to consider it. If there's any feeling in that locker room or with that staff that the defense has quit on Joe Barry or is no longer invested in that defense and that they need some new ideas, then you have to make that change because you are three games out and we'll get to this at the end. I know nobody again wants to hear it. They go three and oh, and again, that sounds laughable. I get it saying it, but if they go three and oh, they have a 96% chance to make the playoffs. So if you think that some, and we've seen, as Perry mentioned earlier, that this offense is continuing. Now there's still some stumbles here and there. There's still some learning things that they've got to get over. He'd love to see them get healthy as well. But the offense is you know, playing pretty decent for the most part. And I think trending in the right direction. The defense clearly is not. And if you think there's any chance that a spark on defense with a new defensive mind calling the plays over these past three weeks, just something different, just something that's not Joe Barry could get them motivated. You have to do it. So I would still be, I would say I'm 60, 40, that nothing happens this week, probably closer to 70, 30, but I don't think it's impossible. And I do think that we are inching closer and closer towards this being the end of the Joe Barry era one way or the other. I don't think they can rinse and repeat. And like I said last week, it's not just that the defense has played poorly. It's that you are now in year three and things are not even remotely progressing. In fact, you're seeing this defense at its worst in three years, in my opinion. So there's nothing that you can latch on to and be like, well, this part of the Joe Barry era is actually going really well. So let's see how this plays. You've seen it. You've seen it for three years now. It's not good enough. It's over. It's done. The question is when, not why. Can I ask, like, because I agree with you about the spark. I think it's a really apt point because it this team is just at a really weird inflection point, mm-hmm. right? Because if you make that move, it's a it's a big move predicating on the fact that, like, you think your team can make some kind of run. And not, I don't think any of us really believe that this team can actually make some kind of run. But I think you also want to say to your guys, hey, we really believe in you. But at the same time, like, are you making this move and doing some kind of interim internal hire or are you making this move thinking that there's somebody out there to hire? Because I think I think you want to wait until the end of the season and get like, see who gets fired, see who's available and hire the best possible person. So it would would be it would be interim for three weeks. It would be like there's no not really a downside unless like. The only thing that you'd want to be somewhat careful of, the only like somewhat downside is like, let's say they give it to Greg Williams, right? Who's the defensive passing game coordinator. Let's say that that's who they give the job to. They're going to make him the interim defensive coordinator with Joe Barry gone. 
if they were to make that move and then for some reason they wanted to keep Greg Williams on the staff next year as the passing game coordinator still, and now you've moved him to defensive coordinator, but wanted to rip the bandaid and go with a new defensive coordinator, you could end up with an awkward situation. That's like the only potential downside. And you don't really make the decision based off of that. If you think Joe needs to go and Greg's the best person to fill in for the next three weeks, you make that decision. And then you still get to the off season and say, we're going, we're going with a full new defensive coordinator staff. Nothing that happens in that three weeks. I mean, it would be a three week audition for Greg Williams or whomever they would give it to, but you're still looking elsewhere in the off season, regardless of what happens. Yeah. yeah, That seems like a natural promotion after Baker Mayfield lights up your defense for 381 yards. But nonetheless, just real quick to your point, because where my head went when you, when we were on that great rant, Andy, about how it could spark the defense. I thought about Buffalo, and I know it's much later in the season, but let's remember Buffalo fired their offensive coordinator earlier this year, and we saw what they did to Dallas on Sunday, right? I mean, that has sparked this this Buffalo offense. So it worked for them, and I know it's much later in the season, and, and and you're gambling with a lot less time. But but after seeing what we saw on Sunday from Green Bay's defense, I just I don't know how the players can buy into the scheme anymore. To Perry's point, and I, obviously you can't make a full blown scheme change with three games remaining in the season. But something's got to give. Something's got to give. To go back to Perry's opening line of this podcast, this is the definition of insanity. And, and I'm with you, Andy. I, I I don't see Matt Lafleur making an in season change. I just don't see it. Um, his, his post-game comments were a little telling, but but again, I, I just I don't see it. So we'll see. We can hope for it, but I don't see it happening. I'm right there. All right. Um, one last addendum to the uh, defense's terrible day, just as like a, oh boy. This is a nice little like secondary fun little thing to look at when you're looking at how awful the defense was today. Tommy DeVito against the Saints today. God. No touchdown passes, sacked seven times the Giants ended up with a total of six points. So when actually facing a real NFL defense, Tommy DeVito looked a little bit more like a third string quarterback. And once again, was sacked seven or more times in that game. Just as a quick reminder, Green Bay had zero sacks a week ago and uh, Tommy DeVito beat Green Bay in that specific game. So that was just kind of a fun little aside to look at during the course of this absolute nightmare of a defensive performance to see Tommy DeVito come back to life against the Saints in this particular game. All right, let's move to something more positive. Let's talk about Jordan Love. Uh, 29 of 39, 284 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, 111.5 rating, definitely some throws he'd love to have back in this one. Obviously in that first drive had a touchdown to Jaden Reed missed on it. Some not great footwork on that one Uh, made a couple other throws that, you know, he had Ben Sims open, uh, you know, on a a big play down the field, missed that specific play outside of that though. I mean, you're, you're starting to get nitpicky on a 29 for 39, 284, two touchdown, 111.5 passer rating day, but still some hiccups here and there from Jordan that we continue to see mostly due to footwork and something he still has to improve upon. Uh, but Alex, I'll start with you. Thoughts on Jordan's day overall? Yeah, it was, it was a bounce back game. It was a get right game after after Monday night. I, I thought he looked really good. I said it at the top. I think he's the guy. I think, you know, you, you went into the season one wondering three big questions, right? I think one of them was, is Jordan Love your guy? You have your answer there, I think. It's yes. I think the second one was, is Matt LaFleur the offensive genius? We think he is. I would feel pretty confident saying yes. And the third question, we just spent 28 minutes talking about. Will Joe Barry be the defensive coordinator next year? I think the answer is no. I, I think today was was a, was indicative of, of those three questions we had at the beginning of the season. So um, I won't spend too much time on it. I thought Jordan Love was solid. I was, I was impressed. You, you, you nailed it when you said there's a couple throws he wanted back. But I also thought he made his best 
pass as a Packer today, the touchdown to Jaden Reed, uh, getting, you know, a little trickery, uh, escaping pressure, eluding defenders and, and rifling it in there. Jaden Reed made a great play on the ball, uh, tiptoeing, tiptoeing the sideline. I thought that was his best throw as a Packer. So that was, that was, that was fun despite being not a very fun game overall, but uh, yeah, I, I think Jordan's your guy. I thought he played well. I, I think this is what you can come to expect when it comes to Jordan Love. Perry, am I off base on anything there? Oh, I think it's unfortunate that Jordan's really nice day was like totally overshadowed by how poorly his defense played because he really did have a nice day. And like, Andy, the stats that you just rattled off for Jordan, like doing that should be enough to win you a game. It just should. I, I, I don't know. Again, I, I said it earlier and I it was in jest, but like he's getting like the full Aaron Rodgers treatment at the moment <laughs> where you like play perfectly well enough, you know, besides the fumble at the end of the game, like no turnovers, you know, clean ball from Jordan and you still just cannot cannot get the win because of your defense. And I find that really unfortunate. Um He's looking like, I mean, the only thing I'll add to what Alex said, because I agree with everything that Alex has said, um, it's nice to see him kind of come back from a game where he wasn't playing his best. Um, I think footwork, Andy, you and Mike Wall had a really nice conversation about Jordan's footwork. And it's something if you watch QB school, he harps on a ton with Jordan. It seems to be Jordan's like Achilles heel, for lack of a better term, pun intended. Um Hopefully it's something that he can like work on this off season. I know Aaron Rodgers after his first season as a starter said that he spent his entire off season working on his footwork and he came back that second season and looked like honestly in a new quarterback. So that's just like his thing right now. Um, and I think it's fixable and I think that's good, but Jordan's got it all. Every single game Jordan has a throw or two that just makes me like makes my jaw drop and that touchdown to Jaden Reed was it. And it's again, like we talk about how he wants some of the layups back and the easy throws, but he makes some of those difficult off script throws that other quarterbacks in this league cannot do. Yes. They just wow me. And again, the unteachables, he's got them. Um, So I am still so there for Jordan. Uh, and again, I just think it's really sucks that his day was overshadowed. Um, but I love seeing him continue to have the chemistry with the young receivers. Um, I know we're going to talk about some of them, but, uh, you know, he, again, is doing all of this with a really, really young receiving core, still missing some of his key guys. And um, it's all just looking steady up. I think the... The one, if I'm being nitpicky on offense, if they don't get the turnover down on the you know two yard line from Enigbare, the one play the defense made all game. Um, outside of that, I mean, basically, right? Outside of that, they they score 13 points in the game. Yeah. Um, hey, you don't know that butterfly effect. No, I know, I, I fully, but like outside of that play uh, on the game, when they did play out the remainder of the game, they scored 13 points the remainder of the game. Now to your point, they're playing without some key pieces. They are playing from behind the entire, basically the entirety of the game. They had 13 rushing yards following Aaron Jones's first uh, drive of the game where the first drive went really well running the ball. They ran 13 yards the rest of the game, 16 yards, excuse me, after the first drive of the game. So they did it without a rushing attack playing from behind. 
Um, like I said, if it's anything, it's being nitpicky. I thought that, that's not taking away from Jordan, by the way. Sorry, I should have clarified that. That's not taking away from Jordan. I thought Jordan had a solid game. I thought the offense as a whole um, could, left some points out on the board is, is more of my overall thought there. And I thought there were times where um, they, they needed to do attack down the field a little bit more. I think they took some, you know, third and long shots to, you know, three, four, five yards. And we're expecting you know, a little bit more after the, like, I thought there was a couple of things there that just needed to get cleaned up, but I mean, we're not even going to discuss it today in a day where the defense played as atrociously as they did. So I'll just leave it at that. I did want to talk about those three positive performances from young players, because as we have talked about all season long, what you're looking for from this young team is consistent signs of progress. And while over the past two weeks, we can make the very easy and sound argument that this team has not made progress. They've taken a significant step back the past two weeks. You can still point to some things that are trending in the right direction. And in this specific game, Tucker Craft, Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks. Jaden Reed is now on his third injury, by the way. He's got a toe. He's got like a rib. He's got like a, he's got everything. He's basically like the operation uh, game guy where it's like, there's just things everywhere. He's, uh, it's just a mess. And yet he somehow still finds ways to perform at a high level. You mentioned the great touchdown that he had with the toe drag swag, six catches, 52 yards, and a beautiful, beautiful touchdown catch. Dontavian Wicks, six catches, 97 yards. Tucker Craft, four catches, 57 yards and a touchdown. We are seeing these players you know, continue to progress. And the fun aspect of that continues to be, what if you get Aaron Jones for a full game? What if Luke Musgrave comes back? What if Christian Watson comes back and you've got all of these weapons at your disposal? That is still fun to think about. But those three players, I thought, um, really were fun to watch on offense today. Yeah, I'll give you the optimistic Alex spin. I'll just take what you said a step further, right? You get a competent defensive coordinator to elevate the billion first-round picks you have on that defense, and this offense continues on the Perry aforementioned steady progression. This is going to be a really fun team in 2024 and 2025. I, I mean, this offense is super exciting. You, you mentioned the players I'm excited about. I'm, I'm super impressed with Tucker Craft, the way he's answered the bell since Luke Musgrave went down. Uh, Dontavian Wicks is is super freaking talented. Um, if he can stay healthy, I mean, he is he is something special. And uh, I think I've I think I've gone on at least a minute long rant about Jaden Reed every single episode we've we've recorded since the draft. So I'll save it uh, this go round. But um, those three guys all super impressive, super high notes in, in a really low note game, low note filled game. Um, but yeah, I mean, seriously though, with Tucker Kraft, like obviously wasn't seeing the field a ton. Luke Musgrave gets put on IR. He has really come in and, and shown the athleticism we knew he had, <clears throat> excuse me. And I, I, I think today was just an, another notch in his belt with the hops, the early touchdown, all the in-betweens. Um, so all three of those guys, super high notes and just excited to watch their continued progression over the course of the next three seasons that they're under contract, which is just bananas to me because of the impact they're making as rookies, right? Like imagine watching them in 2026. Where, what is this offense going to look like? You know, you got your quarterback, you know, you got some weapons. I think we lost Alex again, but, um, wow. Perry, is this offense going to be fun over the next couple of years. There he's back. He's back. Yeah. All right, Perry, yeah. I wanted to ask you about, uh, two returning players in this game. And that was the return of Aaron Jones and the return of Eric Stokes. Obviously Jones looks really good. On that first drive, he ends up with 13 carries for 53 yards. But like I said, the Packers only had 16 rushing yards after that first drive. Eric Stokes comes back. I think a little bit of a mixed bag that's going to be one that I'm excited to watch on the All-22 just to see how he kind of performed on the whole. But thoughts on both of those guys returning? Yeah, what's up with that? 
Why do they do this with Aaron Jones? He comes back. He looks like he's got like so much fire under his belt. He's so amped up to be back. He doesn't look like he's hurt at all. And then one drive. That's all. That's all she wrote. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's just the air. It's just what they do with him. Um, it's so good to have 33 back. I think like we, we make a lot of comments about, well, AJ Dillon's been great and Patrick Taylor makes plays. And then you see Aaron Jones back in the game and you're like, yeah, I remember actually what this offense looks like when Aaron Jones is in the game and it's so much more electric. Um, it's just a matter of, I guess, easing him back into a full snap count. I, I, I don't know. Um, it's been a really unfortunate season for him. And I really hope that this is not our final season of him because it just wasn't a full year of him by any means. But um, the offense is just different when he's in there. Um, it's, I mean, we talked about eye test all game and I don't think we need to harp on it anymore. Um, getting Eric Stokes back. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> When I saw Andy that you had you I think you had tweeted, you know, Eric Stokes is is warming up on the boundary with Carrington Valentine. I actually was a little like apprehensive about that because that's a lot to ask a player who has, you know, outwardly said, you know, this has been a really hard rehab back. It's been a struggle and it's we've seen it up and down. And you know, he's put back on IR after coming back one game. That's a tall order. You know, he gets beat for the touchdown on Mike Evans, just a lot to put on a guy's shoulders. And so I hope that this doesn't affect him because we saw an Eric Stokes in his rookie season that had a lot of upside, you know, and he's had an unfortunate injury that could potentially, you know, forever impact his game. We won't know yet that yet. Um, but they asked a lot of him, which, you know, maybe that means the coaching staff feels like he's there. Maybe it means <laughs> they're you know, out of players. Um, it could be somewhere in between. But it was nice to see him play. I, you said, Andy, you don't think he played the full game. He got pulled or not pulled, but yeah. kind of limited snap count again at some point. Yep. Um, that's to be expected. And again, like when you said he was lining up on the boundary to start, I was like, kind of would have expected him to be more of like a rotational dime in his first game. And again, this could be because this team is so injured. You know, if you have jaw, if you have a healthier secondary, maybe you didn't need to ask Stokes to do that, but I just want him to be able to ease back in and not re-aggravate anything and have him for this stretch of at least the next three games. But it was good to see him back. I think that it's a win that Stokes played and uh, I'll just kind of leave it at that for now until I see the all 22 and and see how he performed overall. Like even if he had a negative, it's like whatever, even if it was a a poor performance, which I don't, uh, again, I'm gonna have to go back and watch it closer, but um, just to get him back ingrained in the defense is a positive first step for him. This is still a first round pick that they need him to play well and moving forward, getting him back ingrained in the defense like i said we'll see how it goes and we'll see where it goes from here they need him to play well and just getting him back and playing was a, a positive first step in the right direction now just hopefully he can continue to play better and better week after week and kind of go from there but just getting him back and seeing him back was a, a slight positive if nothing else um alex i wanted to ask you about the defensive front we mentioned earlier sack or bust at least they did get five sacks in this game kenny clark had two sacks and Barry had the big force fumble fumble recovery play um lvn had another sack so there were some positives that we at least saw a little bit from this defensive front 
Yeah, you nailed it. I, I think J.J. Anibari has had a really nice sophomore jump. As we talk about the sophomore jump, sophomore slump, I think he's had a really nice year for the most part. And then obviously the big play today, getting both the forced fumble and the fumble recovery and the fun celebration in the end zone when the game was still a little bit fun uh, there early. Uh, LVN uh, playing, playing more and more as the season goes on. That's really exciting. Exciting to see hopefully what is a sophomore jump for him next year and, and into these final three games as he continues to play more. And Kenny doing what Kenny does, man, disrupting in the middle, um, you know, seeing him make some more noise. This week was good, specifically as, as you, you nailed it, Andy, right? Coming off of what was a disgraceful uh, defensive performance against the Giants on Monday when it comes to that category specifically. Uh, one, one of the most, I think the most sacked team uh, in the NFL, New York, and, and you mentioned it before, they got crushed by the Saints today in that category. So to bounce back the way they did there, Maybe the one positive defensively to, to get five sacks, but but again, I can't sit here and act like it was a really good day for them when when they're rushing for a Baker Mayfield uh, throughout the course of the second half. Can I just so. say though, when this front plays as a cohesive unit, huh? they can be so dangerous. And I think you know, Andy, you hit the nail on the head. I think in your Giants, you know, post game discussions where you said it felt like they were playing as individual players and not as a unit. And it, and again, like this, we've covered it. This defense does not play well, but as a front in this game, they played as a cohesive unit. Like when they play as a team, when they allow each other to get home, when one guy, you know, you could see that they kind of played off of each other. They're so ferocious. Um, they can be, they, like I said, they can be so dangerous. It's so fun to watch. Um, and I love the come up of LVN and the development there. It's just, it's the back half that's struggling right now. <laughs> and to, to the point too, it's like, if, if you don't get home every time, that's the, that's normal in the NFL. It shouldn't end up in yeah. 400 plus, you know, passing or 400 plus yeah. total yards and 300 some passing yards on the day. If you don't you, and the other thing too, is that the, that front is getting those five sacks without any secondary help really behind them. There's guys open all over the field, so which makes it much more harder. Like they have to win almost immediately in order to get those sacks and pressures or, it's just an easy completion, which makes things much harder for them up front as well, which obviously goes into so much that we talked to at the the front of this program today. All right. I want to hit through a couple things really quick, and then we'll kind of uh, wind things down. Jair Alexander did not play again. I'm going to say the same thing I did last week. Until I know of anything different, that there's anything else weird or whatever going on, I'm continuing to believe that he's hurt and cannot play. And for those of being like, well, why didn't they just put him on IR? These things are not an exact science. They are absolutely, you have no idea if sometimes you might get him back after three weeks, you might get him back after six, you might get him back after eight. It's an inexact science. And the last thing you want to do is put a player on IR. And then all of a sudden they're good to play and you can't play them because you put them on IR. Meantime, they have not had to add an extra corner to the roster because they didn't have enough corners. They've deactivated a, a healthy player every single week during this Jair Alexander absence. There hasn't been a game where they've been scrounging for players. The practice squad call-ups make this almost a moot point where it's better for you. And remember, you only get a certain amount of call-ups, not that they're probably going to reach that at this point anymore anyway, but like you don't ever want to put yourself in a position where you've got a healthy player and he can't play it. And then the other thing that constantly gets talked about, well, he's practicing every week, but he's not playing in the game. He has a shoulder and he doesn't have to tackle in practice. So he can go through everything else in practice and not have to worry about hurting his shoulder because he's not tackling in practice. 
The big issue with the shoulder injury is not him batting away passes. It's him tackling. So there's a logical conclusion to jump to here to say, hey, the reason he's probably practicing every single day and going out and still trying to get better and help the team is because he has no risk of re-injuring it in practice, where in a game there would be that massive risk of re-injuring it. And that's the last thing that you want to happen to. Now, I'm not saying that there isn't something else going on. I just I have not heard a concrete or anything other than hearsay, conspiracy, internet rumor to point anything otherwise. And the people that are on that Packers beat are very good at finding out that information. And if there is something there, they will find it. And if they find it, we can talk about it at that point. But until then, I continue to believe his shoulder is hurt and he can't play. And that's the end of that. Um, he also, sorry, Andy, he also said two weeks ago when asked about it in the locker room that it was like, a problem. He was like, yeah. if I could play, I would be out there, but it's just something that I cannot play through right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Point blank. That's it. And that's where I'm trending there and just kind of leaving things at right now. Um, one good piece of news from this game. It seemed at least at the forefront, there was no other reported injuries other than Jaden Reed getting banged up and he was able to return to the game. I know he was playing hurt throughout the course of the game, but uh, it didn't seem like there were any major injuries, at least that we know of. Sometimes we get, you know, all of a sudden we hear of somebody on Tuesday that actually had a bad injury and we, you know, we don't hear about it till later or something. But as of now, it didn't seem like there were any crazy injuries in this game. As mentioned earlier, Packers are now at a 29% chance to make the playoffs. They are a 96% chance if they were to win out. They currently hold the number 11 pick in the draft. So they went from the seventh seed to the 11th pick in the draft this week with one loss. But as mentioned, they still basically control their own destiny, even though they don't totally control their own destiny. 96% chance. We don't even care about it at this point. One game at a time. Just keep trying to improve. Um, There is a chance if they lose out, they get maybe a top five pick in the draft. So somewhere between top five pick and playoff. (laughs) And it's probably somewhere in between. You're probably looking at picking 11th, 12th, 13th overall, depending on how they finish off the rest of the way. All right. What were we going to say, Perry? What's wrong, Perry? What a, what a weird season. Yep. I don't, that's all I have to say. Just that's so weird. A lot of mediocre yep. football in the NFL. This yeah. Year. A lot of mediocre football. What a great Bears loss, by the way, too. That was amazing. That, there's one Bears lose Darnell like, Booty, man. Oh, my goodness. That was, that was that an was unbelievable. All right, Packers, Panthers next week. Quick thoughts, Perry. I just, can we not lose to the worst team in football, please? Can we not make this the Bryce Young breakout game, please? Well, when they put it that way, uh, they won today. No way they're winning two in a row. I feel pretty good about next weekend. I don't know that I feel good about anything. You could tell me that (laughs) next week they beat the 96 Packers and you could tell me next week that they lose to the Owen 17 lions and nothing in the middle <laughs> and everything in the middle is open. Nothing would surprise me. Um, they're just that sort of team. And uh, I've definitely had some predictions wrong through the course of the year. I've gotten some things right. I've gotten some things wrong. The number one thing I've said all along is this is a volatile team with a ton of young players and you don't know what you're going to get in any given week. And it, like I said, nothing shocks me at this point. They could, you know, win two of the three games, win all three, lose all three, anything in between, nothing would shock me. That's just the style of team this is because we just don't know which Green Bay team's going to show up mm-hmm. week in and week out. It'll be interesting. They've got the worst team in football on the road on Christmas Eve. Can they go out on noon game, perform, get a win, make everyone happy on Christmas and keep whatever fluttering playoff hopes alive that they can keep alive, I guess, at that point. 
All right, Alex, last but not least, because I know it's your favorite thing in the world, final Packers vibe check before we get out of here. Vibes are low for now. I think they will be higher by Wednesday. I think they will be even higher after Christmas Eve when they get a win on the road to Carolina. Um, I, that Vikings game, it's going to be do or die. I just, I, I, here's the vibe, right? Here's the psyche. Here's where I'm at. This is going to be like last year. The Packers are going to win the next two weeks. <clears throat> They're going to return home week 18 against a team that's already, well, will be by the time they play the game, eliminated from playoff contention. That will be the Chicago Bears. And it's going to be winning you're in, losing you're out against a division rival, against a team we all hate, against a team uh, that we have friends that are fans of, that if they win that game, they will be completely insufferable. That's what's going to happen. The, the defensive vibes very low. Offensive vibes are high. That's where the vibes are at. Why did you think this was my favorite thing? That's what I got for you on that. <laughs> Perry, where are your vibes at? Because you hate vibes. You hated vibes a couple of weeks ago. That's why I'm bringing it up. Perry, where are your vibes at? Can I just say, my, my vibes are still very high. And I'll tell you why. Because all that matters about this team to me is how this offense is performing. Quite frankly, the best case scenario for me is this offense by the end of the season is on the up and this we fire our defensive coordinator. And that is where this team is trending. Like that is just the that is a perfect bow. Playoffs, meh, whatever. I'm very whatever about it. Good pick in the draft. I'm very whatever about it. You tell me that this offense is like we're going to look good in 2024 and we get a new defensive coordinator. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. All right. I have a final question for you all. You have three choices. You can go 0-3 and have the fifth pick in the draft, 3-0 and and make the playoffs. I'm going to guarantee you one of these three things. One of these three things, only one of these three things will come true. You go 0-3 and get the fifth pick in the draft, 3-0 and and make the playoffs or Joe Barry is fired at either at some point between now and the end of the season, you can have one of the three things guaranteed. Which one do you want? All right. We've got two vote for those of you listening on the audio podcast. Oh, yeah. We have two votes <laughs> for <laughs> Joe Barry being fired at the end of the year. I'm going to still take three and oh, I'm going to still take three and oh, give me the three and oh, give me the playoffs. I'm going to take the three and oh, but I, uh, I'm going to be in the losing argument on that one. I fully understand that and totally respect that as well. Perry, final thoughts, and where can we find you before we get out of here? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. Uh, you can follow the podcast. I podcast with Maggie Loney at Pax Which She Said Podcast. Um, you will get a, a Bucks, you know, recap from us uh, shortly, and uh, it will maybe just be me screaming into a void. Um, no, it, you can follow us on YouTube and anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, Maggie's great. Follow her on Twitter as well. Uh, she also is a Pack-A-Day podcaster. So, yeah. She is. Alex, what do you got for us? Uh, number one, moving sucks. Did that on Friday. Apologies for some of the Wi-Fi issues I've had throughout this episode. Uh, I will be contacting my realtor shortly. Um, you can get me on Twitter at Alex underscore stroke. Uh, thank you for the therapy guys. Always a pleasure. Um, I don't feel any better about the defense, but optimistic Alex about the offense. That's where I'm at. I like optimistic Alex. Make sure to follow both of them on Twitter. You can find me at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. That'll do it for us. Until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.